It's Mental Health Chat Monday, the new and improved version, honey. On this series, we sit down with a brand new guest every week to discuss their journey with mental illness and mental wellness. Because here on Mental Health Chat Monday, our motto is turning mental illness into mental wellness. I am your host, D. Bionic. Thank you so very much for tuning in to the very first episode of season two, episode one, season two. I am so glad, so honored to have musician, educator, teacher, beautiful soul, very, very good friend of mine. Octavia is here with us in the house, live and in color. Hello, Hi, welcome. Hello. Welcome again. <laughs> yes. Um, so introduce yourself to the people. Let everybody know who you are, how we know each other. Talk to us a little bit about that. Okay, so I am a musician. I am a violinist. Um, I've been playing violin since I was eight, so basically my whole life. And I met you from the Blue Duck, from um, a restaurant job that we worked br briefly mm -hmm. together. Very briefly, we, very briefly. And um, we've just kept in touch ever since. And we just, I, I, I love our friendship. Like, I feel like we have such a wonderful, like, like, you know, Maybe all we do is like send memes back and forth here and there, but like we like I just I need you know we need stuff like that. We need mm -hmm. like relationships like that, like of of all different types. And yes. I, I I've just I've really enjoyed watching your journey. I Same. know that you enjoy watching. Yes, exactly. Yes. Like we really like the support is always felt between us, I think. Yes, absolutely. I was just about to say, like, the it, the connection when we first met was, like, immediate energetic connection. Like, I just felt like we already knew each other and related so much. And then carrying on into our friendship of, what, like, four or five years now? No. Is always mutual support. It's always a DM, a message, like, oh, my God, I see what you're doing. You're doing such a great job. I love this. I love seeing that. Mutually between the two, because a lot of times you you meet people and you're cheering them on and they're like silently cheering you on. Mm -hmm. But it's so nice to have somebody who is both silently and very like openly like in your corner. It's such a beautiful thing. So I appreciate yeah. your friendship very much. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, I start these episodes and I'm gonna keep starting these episodes the exact same way. Mental health check. Where are you? How is 2023 tre treating you so far? Um. Today is a little up and down, a little frustrating. Overall, like lately, you know, I um I would say like the first few months of 2023 have been calm. Um, you know, despite getting sick, I've you know, I've there's been a lot of acceptance with just like, okay, I gotta take a week off, I'll get back to work and the bills they'll get paid. Mm -hmm. I'll figure it out. You know, there's a lot of acceptance. I'm, I'm feeling a lot of acceptance. And I think some of that comes with age, too, because, like, I'm 31. Like, I'm in my 30s. Mm -hmm. I was like, when I, when I had my 31st birthday, I was like, all right, I'm no longer 30. Like, now I'm in my 30s. And, like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And I feel like it's a lot of just kind of, like, a, a lot less, like, anxiety for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I turned 30 in January and I was so excited to turn 30. And now that I'm 30, I do feel different. It's weird. I I feel uh 
I don't know what it is. There's there's like an energetic shift that happened when I turned 30 because I was already so excited to be 30. I was looking so much forward to it. I I say this all the time. I celebrate my birth my birthday so hard because I didn't think I would have any more birthdays. I thought I would I had run out of birthdays 15 years ago. So each birthday is a milestone, but this birthday in particular was like okay. I'm just getting started. I think that's what it was. Like I've worked my ass off for the first 29 years of my life to be the person that I am. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I just feel so much, I feel so successful in all of the things that I have done, all of my failures and my wins. I feel successful in all of it. And like you said, there's an acceptance that has come with being 30. So yeah, I feel that. I feel that very, very deeply. Um. So if you're comfortable sharing, have you ever been clinically diagnosed with any mental illnesses or do you feel like you have that you haven't been uh, diagnosed with? Um, The only thing that I have been like somewhat diagnosed with is PMDD. Um, I never really followed up on that, never picked up the prescription. I think it cost too much at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I haven't been formally diagnosed with anything. Um, but I, I do feel like uh, I'm neurodiv- neurodivergent and, you know, like probably ADHD, it has been suggested to me. It was suggested to me once by like a therapist that I was seeing. And I remember I didn't go back after that because like it scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as time has gone on, uh, as time has gone on, I've become less afraid of kind of like what that means and what that kind of like looks like. And you know, I, I, I would say that I do think that I process things in a different way than maybe other people or like what's expected of me societally, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you said PM, PMMD or PMD? PMDD, like premenstrual dysphoric disorder, kind of like a mood disorder when your period is like coming. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. But like, just like, a, I guess like a more intense version of PMS from gotcha. my understanding. Yeah. I just had never heard the um, acronym before. So I was like, what is that? I, 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 was, I wasn't going to sit here and act like I knew what it was. I was yeah. like, <laughs> Like yeah, uh huh, yeah. You're silently looking it up on the side, like Pee. right, googling to the side. No, um. So before we uh, jumped on the call, like you know, formally recording or whatever, we talked a little bit about slower pacing in life and how you felt like things were kind of calming down. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that and what has calmed down. Obviously, what you're comfortable sharing is calmed down, and and what life was like before things were a little bit more slow paced. Okay, yeah. Okay, so to answer your question, like, directly before I get into it. Oh, gosh, I've already, like, forgotten. So can you repeat the question? Um, I believe my question, because I kind of already forgot my question. Um, okay. I, you, we talked a little bit about a slower pace. How important is a slower pace to you? And then what is life like? What was life like before your pace had slowed down? Okay. Um, life before 
the slower pace was um, very chaotic and it, it was something that I could successfully function in, but I hated having to function in it. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I didn't mention this before when you asked me like about mental health and any diagnoses, but depression and anxiety was something that I dealt with a lot in my 20s, especially in my mid 20s. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and okay, so what does a slower pace mean to me? I mean, it's just, it's a, to me, a slower pace is a symbol that I have done the work that mm. I was supposed to do. Like, what you know, what when I came into this life and I was kind of like given these generation generational curses to like break, I feel like where I am now is um, a sign that I am doing the things to break the generational curse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for those of us out here who are maybe not melanated that are listening <laughs> to this, um, that may not understand or know what a generational curse is, will you just dive a little bit into, not necessarily the history of, but the def your definition of a genera of generational curses. And I feel like my light is a little too bright on me right now. It's making me look like I'm not melanated. Uh, and you are. Okay, so um, my definition of a generational curse is uh, just generational trauma mm -hmm. that has been passed down to me that, you know, as a, as a, newborn as a child as a child of the future it is my responsibility to break so so that future generations can just like live better and we can continue to evolve especially as black people um i definitely you know the, the more that i learn about like slavery and how much of slavery culture that has like has persisted into our culture into 2023 yes um, like i just i i don't know i can't stand it like i can't i don't know i don't know how to explain it i feel like i don't know where i'm going with that sentiment but i i think i get what you're where you're headed it's insane to think about how much of um the culture of times far gone, you know, 200, not even really 200 years ago, yeah, that persist to today. And things that have gone away that are coming back to persist even further. And, you know, just to keep us oppressed and keep us uh, like the work culture, you know, people feel so deeply that they have to work, 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 work. Like, just like you were saying, that fast paced life, that chaotic life. I even felt last year I was working too much and not allowing myself the time and the freedom to do the things that I want to do to make this podcast a real reality, to, yeah. to work on my music, work on my art, to do all the things that I wanted to do. It, it there's this toxic culture of, if your output is not high enough, you're you don't deserve anything or you're not worth anything. Yeah, yeah, like like it's tied to your self worth, which it's not. It's at not. all, not at all, especially when it comes to clocking in on somebody else's clean. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I love you know, and I've said on previous episodes in past seasons, 
I love my job. I hate the job that I do. Mm. I absolutely 100%. The owners are great. My boss is great. My coworkers are great. The clientele that come in, most of the people that come into the restaurant are like fantastic regulars, people that I laugh and joke with and kiki with that have come to see my shows and supported me outside of being just their server at work. Um, but the culture of working in a restaurant, mm -mm. it's trash. It's trash. And the pandemic made it worse. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. The pandemic made it so much worse. Cause like before Corona, it was rough already. You know, we, we had so many things that we were dealing with, you know, rude customers and entitlement and blah, 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 blah. But it made it so much, people were so much more entitled because they had to stay in the house for a year and a half. They were like, I need to make up for that year of not being able to make my server's life a living hell. <laughs> and then tip 2%, right? <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I forgot what I was about to ask. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the people sitting at home, like writing down lists of things they were going to say to their server that was wrong with their meal while they waited for us to get out of line. <laughs> for real, just like being armchair servers or something, like mm -hmm. figuring out ways that they could have done your job better and, and then like tell you about it. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's insane. People are people. If y'all are watching this and you go out to eat, be kind to the people that are taking care of you. Cause like we go through a lot. We, we see a lot of people and meet a lot of energies in our lifetime as a server. I've been doing this for like almost 12 years. Pimping ain't easy. Let me tell you. Um, so to kind of jump back into the mental health kind of side of things, uh, and generational curses. Share with me and, and and our audience, you know, to your comfort level, what generational curses you feel like you are breaking within, you know, your family cycle, your heritage, and and how that feels. Okay, that is a good question. I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is like corporal punishment and like mm -hmm. being spanked, and you know, um, I'll talk to my grandmother sometimes on my mom's side and you know she'll talk about how her dad whooped her and how like it was okay you know she's she was okay with that and like that's i mean that's something that when i'm when i'm working with my students i want them to feel seen and i want them to feel respected as a as a human being as much as possible that's like my baseline so you know i th i think that's one thing that i have dedicated my spirit to is just like making sure that i'm always treating children with respect uh versus kind of like you know the past generation they expected children to um treat their elders with respect like it was like hierarchical because of age and you know older folks they be doing so much dirt to younger folks and and you know like they expect us to like sweep it under the rug because of age and experience and it's like but that's not always that's not always valid so i think that that's something that i've been working hard at as a teacher especially 
I love that you brought that up because especially, you know, as black people, it's always you have to respect your elders. You know, respect is is not earned, it's inherently given. And I guess to an extent that is true, I feel like you should respect everyone. But also if that person is not respecting you, the respect is not revoked, no matter who you are. No matter who you are. Yeah, no matter who you are, if you are not treating me with the same respect and kindness that I would treat you, why am I required just because you're older than me to treat you with that respect? It's it's something that is definitely passed down in a lot of Black families, and we talk about a lot. And I have also kind of tried to train myself out of that mindset mm-hmm. of my nieces and nephews, the littles have to respect me the way I want them to respect me and not the other way around. Right. Because kids are so much more emotionally emotionally intelligent than adults are because they haven't had it trained out of them yet. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's so important to keep that and to, you know, raise these emotionally intelligent children into emotionally intelligent adults, uh, which we are lacking severely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I feel like just respecting the kids as humans is like the first step for us to heal that, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I, as a teacher, when did you, when did you start teaching? Um, I've been like teaching kind of on and off. Like I've, uh, like, let's say, okay. Okay. This is, it's hard to, it's hard to give it a a start date because, you know, I just started off like subbing Mm -hmm. and probably 20, 20, 2018, late 2018 is when I started subbing. So I guess it's been four or five years that I've been making most of my income from teaching. Um, So I started subbing and then um, I moved to teaching violin um, just to kind of like centralize my focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk to me about violin. I... I have heard you play violin. I like to watch you when you practice and on Instagram and like you post in your stories. I love watching you practice because I love seeing someone who talks so much about practice actually practice. Like it just it's it's astounding to me how it's so important as musicians to hone your craft and you never stop learning about your craft even if you are the most skilled musician and let me tell y'all this is a talented human being right here on the screen and i'm not talking about me i'm talking about her like the talent is (laughs) measurable um so to see you actually working on your craft and your talent and keeping that tool sharp is beautiful to me talk to me about how violin has um impacted your life when it came into your life and and how it helps with your mental health okay it came into my life when i was eight in the third grade um through a public you know, through public school and um, it was free for me to play and to take the violin home. So um, I was very, very, very fortunate to be able to have that opportunity to take home a very like good playable violin and have a great teacher who guided me through those early years of like learning the violin and like helping me stay on track, helping me, you know, kind of like commit to to something that is, um, that, that most, eight-year-olds like most eight-year-olds aren't aren't you know 
most eight-year-olds don't have the opportunity to commit to something as as powerful as music. I I, I don't know. Maybe that's not what I want to say because like no, but know. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I fully agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it comes in different shapes and sizes, but it's such a yeah, it's it's a powerful thing to like commit to as like a kid who's you know you haven't even hit puberty and you're like okay I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick to this thing, you know? And like, not to interrupt your story, but like I started singing at eight and yes. I sang all the way through elementary school into middle school. And once I hit puberty, I had a, a choir teacher who was like, you have an incredible voice, keep singing through the voice change to keep honing your tool. But I was too scared and stopped singing as my voice changed. So now oh, I'm making no. up for all that time. Yeah, I didn't sing for, God, I didn't sing for like 10 or 11 years before I started singing again and remembered how much I love singing. But now I'm making up for all that lost time and trying to like learn my voice, you know, as a 30 year old man who has been singing now for five years again. But so I, yeah. that, I, that touches me because literally eight years old, I was like, I'm going to join choir with my friend. And then I just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. That's like too common of a story. I think, I think, you know, committing to music through changes in your life, it like, I don't know, it teaches you something about yourself that, that like, it's just, it's so special that you can't really duplicate, you know, or just committing to anything and like sticking with it through the changes of, of life. I think that's a really um, powerful thing to do in life. Okay, so, but your next question was um, like, how has it impacted my mental health? Yes. And like, Okay, I'm I'm gonna start with the, the shortest answer. So, you know, today as a 31 year old Octavia, um, the violin is definitely it's just like it's a lot like my diary. You know, mm -hmm. like playing it, it feels a little bit different every day. Um, I I can express my emotions through a non-verbal uh, medium. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like it's it's a lot of fun. It's just like it 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 serves so many different purposes. So I think that like it just it keeps me sharp, um, practicing and and playing and performing and posting videos online and things like that. It, it you know it it um, stimulates a lot of different parts of like my brain and my personality. Um, and then like, okay, so then your question was like, how has it impacted me? Like over time mm -hmm, man mm -hmm. like the journey from like being a beginner to to being an adult who has made music their career um i've i feel like i've been able to take a lot of ownership into my career and into my musicianship especially over the past few years since being out of school um you know when i was in school i was a sponge i was absorbing regurgitating as much as I could and I love school and I love like doing that and I love getting A's and things like that but um you know since being graduated and kind of having to figure out like okay how do I make money from this how do I how do I include this every day and you know like how, how do I include this in my everyday life how do how do I actually functionally make this a career um, I feel like I've been able to to take more ownership and like I've been able to define what it looks like for myself um, more than ever. Because like when you're in school, 
your teachers have specific expectations. They want you to go home, do your homework, practice a certain way, and then bring something back. Whereas like now, I don't, like now it, it looks different. Um, and like my level of satisfaction looks different than like what teachers wanted. I think what I'm trying to really get at is that like growing up, you know, you're expected to practice a lot and that wasn't always possible for me. Mm -hmm. I think just my home life just like didn't always allow that. I dealt with homelessness as a teenager and I just like, I had to like make sure that I got up and showered and went to school and ate every day. And I, I was made to feel by so many different teachers, you know, throughout the years that like, because I wasn't able to practice every day that this wasn't for me. And I was always like, no, nah, but that doesn't really feel authentic to me. Like, I really do feel like this is for me. I just like, I've got some shit going on. I'm taking care of it, but like, I'm keeping, like the, the, the music is still like, it's right here. It mm -hmm. might not be right in front of me, but it's like, it's right here. It's in my pocket. It's in my pocket. Yeah. And so as an adult, like, I've stopped shaming myself for not being able to practice every day. I've stopped like, and, and it's made my relationship with, with music so much better. And I mean, time, you know, like time tells all and like, I'm still, I'm still doing this shit. So like, obviously y'all were wrong. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. I would have quit by now if, if this wasn't supposed to be in my journey. So yeah. Yeah. I, I've just, I've, I feel like I've developed a healthier relationship with practice mm -hmm. over the years, especially since graduating. And it's not this like toxic, like practice eight hours a day. Shit like that is insane. I'm not doing that. Yeah, you know? it's not realistic. Like, go ahead. It's not real. I was just like, I was just agreeing with you. It's not realistic to think somebody's going to be able to practice for eight hours a day, even in adulthood. Like who has the free time for that? Like, it, you know, if you're a working musician, sure, you got the free, you might have the free time to practice for eight hours a day, but it's really not realistic. It's not realistic for, for most. And just because I don't practice eight hours a day doesn't mean that I won't still have a career in music. And mm -hmm. like, yeah. And, you know, I've just, I'm glad that I never listened to the, to the teachers that were like, oh, you should major in something else in college and you should do something else. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm very glad that I never listened to them. It's so wild to me that like teachers, and this is no shade to teachers because I feel like teachers do get a bad rap sometimes, not in this particular scenario, but like in other scenarios. Um, but it's, it's wild to me that teachers are so quick to write somebody off just because they don't um, follow the commitment plan that they have laid out in front of them. Like you, <sighs> you can do and be successful in so many things at your own pace. Mm -hmm. And because it's yours, it's your gift, it's your craft, it's your talent, it's your choice. And I feel like the school system doesn't encourage pace. What? Yeah, <laughs> that's something that I never thought of. I literally just had that thought right now in my like. I just spoke, talked that out right here, right now, live and in color. Oh <laughs> I just thought, like, it doesn't. It want every 
so fast. Everything has to be yeah. so fast. You got to pick this up. You got to pick that up. You get, and you have to learn all these things all at the same time instead of like taking the time to actually be educated and learn and use these things in practice. You're just forced to like boom, 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 boom. Okay, here you go. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're 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 forced to produce and to like have all this output. I feel like this is tying back into the conversation about just work and how like like we're expected to be so productive. And mm -hmm. yeah, school school does not really um instill that in us, uh, you know, having a pace and and what it looks like to be successful with rest days. Like like mm -hmm. like we're expected to, to, to just like get to the finish line as quickly as possible. Like it's always a race. Like who's gonna win? Who's gonna get the the like the most A's the soonest? Mm -hmm. Like who's gonna finish their test first? Like everything's like, and things don't have to be like that. Like yeah, like things aren't like that in real life. Like no, not at <laughs> all. Nobody goes into the workforce educated already. And like it's like those memes that are like, uh, okay, to work at this entry level job, you have to have a master's degree and you know be eighteen years old, but also be twenty five years old, but also willing to learn. And it, you know, it's 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 in. I keep saying the word insane. I need to pick a better word, but it really is discouraging i feel like to kids coming up to feel like they're never really going to be at the place where they want to be when they think they're going to be there it takes so much time i didn't move out of my mom's house until i was 27 years old yeah very yeah very normal that sounds which so normal. normal like which you know nobody in my life tried to shame me and make me feel bad about it i did have a bunch of people asking me when are you going to move out when are you going to move out like i'm going to move out when the good Lord says it's time for me to move out. Like, that's just what's gonna happen. And I don't feel shame about that. And it just is society. Society is really, really discouraging to the, to taking your time. And I think about people like, uh, like Lizzo and like um, Leslie Jones and Oprah. Oprah and like all the people who, have these wildly successful careers, especially if somebody who works in entertainment and wants to and pursues entertainment as a craft. So many people see 30 as the cutoff. It's like, oh, you're 30, you haven't made it. Oh well. Everybody's not gonna be a child star. Sorry. And thank God, because the child, there's so many child stars that burn out. So like yes. Yeah. They burn out so fast. And then, you know, that's when you get your your Amanda Bynes's and your Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan's is and all these kids who grew up in the spotlight and are now trying to regain themselves. I'm glad I've had these 30 years to learn myself so that when my success comes and when I'm walking red carpets and doing movies and touring the world and doing all these things, I remember who I am and where I came from. Yes, because and it's so much sus more sustainable that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I just knew this was going to be such a beautiful conversation, and I just got, like, the confirmation chill from the universe, yeah. that, like, confirmation energy chill. Um, this is a good spot for us to pause for a brief break to okay. hear a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. 
Today's episode of Mental Health Chat Monday is brought to you by BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, the world's largest 100% online therapy service, you can get connected with a therapist and a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists to help you with a wide range of issues. When I signed up for BetterHelp, I was able to specify exactly what I was looking for in a therapist, and I was matched with a therapist that suited my needs. To get started, all you do is answer a few questions about your therapy needs and preferences that way BetterHelp can match you with the perfect therapist from their network from there contacting your therapist is easy call chat video call or text whatever is more comfortable for you message your therapist at any time to set up live sessions when it's convenient for you and the coolest thing about BetterHelp is that if your therapist doesn't match for any reason at all you can switch to a brand new therapist at no additional charge. Affordability, online access at your own pace, custom pick therapists, that sounds like my kind of therapy. And what luck you have, you can get 10% off your very first month of BetterHelp using my link, betterhelp.com forward slash M-H-C-M. That's betterhelp.com forward slash M-H-C-M. Now go ahead and get yourself some therapy, baby. And thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, we're back. We had a little break. Thank you to our sponsor. Um, so before the break, you kind of talked about um, in your teens experiencing homelessness. Would you be comfortable talking a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I don't mind talking about that a little bit. Um, yeah, what do you want to know more specifically? So I guess just talk to me about how that um, that experience affected you growing up and I guess how it affected, um, where are my words? Um, I guess your like school life balance and um, how you approach, I guess, housing as an adult, if that makes sense. Sure. I don't know how it affected my school life balance. I feel like school has always been pretty easy. Um, maybe it made me a little like a little too dependent on school for like my identity. But mm -hmm. I don't I don't really I don't know. Me and school, me and school are cool. Like I still I love school. I think school's great. Um, but homelessness as a teenager, how it affected me as an adult. Oh my god, like I just I've been searching for stability for so long, mm. like, and, and I, like, I'll do anything just to have a stable place to live. And I, de and I definitely dealt with kind of like, maybe, maybe not homelessness, but just like unstable housing after my teen years. And like me and my mom got settled. So like when I was a teenager, it just was kind of like a, a series of unfortunate events, you know, especially after a death in the family and, mm. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into like how my mom handled it and like mm -hmm. either way like we we just we were bouncing around from like family member to to family member's house while I was in high school and it was just it was hard like I never had my own room I never had my own space and you know sometimes we we were getting kicked out of a of a place and like I just I didn't always know where I was going to sleep you know, um, I I was hungry a lot as well. I when I was a teenager, I remember being hungry a lot, 
and like just not really feeling like I had the the resources to to figure out how to like cook a, a nutritious meal for myself. Like it was just very much so ramen noodles or like mm -hmm. a can of chili and like maybe some fruit. Like I really so I I, I dedicated my twenties to like figuring out just like how to feed myself so I feel you know balanced and nourished and able to like attend to the other things going on in my life and um like anytime my housing has been threatened in any way like i've just like i zero in on it especially because like i've never really had stable housing so i'm just like i just want to know what it feels like to like come home and feel at peace at home and not have to deal with any kind of bullshit. Like there was, I think that there, you know, like there was like a, some correlation between like living in an abusive household and having unstable inst housing. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that even like when, when I moved to New York, I dealt with maybe, maybe the housing was a little bit more stable, but like, I never felt really at peace for for a while. Like it, it, I feel like it took me moving into like I'm in a two bedroom right now. I moved in. The person who was living with me won the housing lottery, and he moved out. And then I was able to choose for the first time who I wanted to live with, rather than kind of like looking for a place and like trying to to fit into like an already established household mm -hmm. and dynamic. Um, which just didn't, it just didn't really work well for me. Um, so I think because I didn't have a lot of agency for a, a long, long time, like post-college and like, and after moving to New York, um, I don't know where I was going, but I just like, I've had to work really hard at just kind of like feeling safe at home. And, and, you know, not having to worry about, like, somebody yelling at me, like, over little things or just, you know, like, I, I think because I dealt with so much instability and, like, so much chaos that, like, little things that maybe somebody else might be able to, like, get get through a little bit easier, it just, like, it was so much harder for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just, I've dedicated, I feel like I dedicated my 20s to just, like, finding stable housing and, like, figuring out what stable housing looks like and like just feeding myself and making sure that like I have enough energy to get through the day and get whatever tasks done that need to be done. Oh, but uh, I am fortunate to have pretty much always had stable housing. There was a, a, a short period of time where we lived in a hotel because a tree fell on our house. So we were like between homes. Um, but I, I've been fortunate in a lot of ways growing up that so many people in my life, you know, things that affected them did not affect me or things that um, happened to them I did not have to experience. And I yeah. never for a single moment take for granted having a place to lay my head and having food on the table every night. And, you know, my mom struggled, but she didn't, we didn't see that struggle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like my mom protected yeah. us from a lot of harm. Um, which I'm very, you know how I am about my mama. Everybody knows yes, how yeah, I am. Yeah. 
<laughs> everybody knows how I am about my mom. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned her in all now 13 episodes. Like, that's my ride or die. So, I, you know, it's a... Shout out to mom. Shout out to mom. Shout out to Rojo. We love her. We love <laughs> to see. Um, she's going to be on an episode this season if I have mm. to force her. Not, I don't have to force her. She's actually expressed to me that she wants to be on, on the podcast. Um, and that's going to be... A lot. A wonderful episode. Yeah. It's gonna be a lot, a lot of crying. Oh, um, yeah. So earlier in the episode, also thank you for sharing that with us. But earlier in the episode, you you mentioned therapy, just briefly talked about therapy. Um, have you gone to therapy? Are you currently in therapy? What's your what's your journey with therapy? Um, I'm not currently in therapy, but I have been to therapy. Um you know, and I've just seen like different people during different tough times of my life to help me kind of like get through. And once I couldn't like really afford, like what it was always like, all right, I don't really have the money for this. And I've kind of figured out like what to do, like what the next step is. Like I would like stop and like go out and practice the things that uh, we talked about. And then like the next time I felt like I needed some help that was like beyond friends or family, um, that's when I would go back to therapy, yeah. And so I haven't done it, I haven't done it in a while. The last time I was in therapy was 2021, and I um, talked to someone for like two or three months to kind of like help me with with a housing transition that I was in, mm. yeah. Um, excuse me, have you ever considered, and this is just kind of a question that kind of popped up to me, um, have you ever considered music therapy and not going to music therapy, but maybe in some way incorporating therapy into your music career? Like you, not you becoming a musical therapist, but like in collaboration in some way, I don't know why or how that dropped into my head, but it did. I, I have not really considered music therapy. I feel like my relationship with like music and my instrument like it's just like already so very therapeutic that like I haven't tried to externalize that in any sort of way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that hasn't really. I no beyond like making playlists and like practicing and and um, improvising and and just picking up my instrument and like every day and and trying something new. No, I haven't really. What 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 did you have in mind? I don't. I truly, I have no idea. I just yeah. when I think about music, and it's kind of. I'm very similar to you in that where my instrument is my therapy already, yeah. um, and I hope that my music can be therapeutic to people, and they listen to my songs, and they kind of get what I mean, and and even in the songs that are dance, I always call my my music crying in the club bops because the the beats are really dancing and fun and vibey a lot of the times, but the lyrics are very, very sad um, right. or very emotional. Um, so I 100% relate to you on that, where the, the instrument is the therapy for you. I don't know, it just truly was just something that kind of popped up in my head and I'm like, I don't know, I feel like that would be something you would be good at. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely like, stay open to it i but yeah it's not really something that 
I've incorporated or like cared to incorporate so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit before we wrap things up here about teaching. How is being specifically how is teaching violin uh either healing to you or how does it affect your mental wellness how does getting to be the person that kids can kind of look up to feel oh man like i i just want to share my love of music with the kids and i think that like like it's it's a very the, the joy that I get from teaching is very like simple. It's like I'm sharing my love of music with with my students. And when I see them kind of like show me how much they love music, I'm like, OK, th there you go. Like the job has been done. This is great. Like it, it helps me sleep at night, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, it's not a very it's it's not that like it's not that deep. And not to say that, like, it doesn't have like a, a deep impact, but it's just like it's like pretty easy to make me happy when when it comes to teaching and um you know it's it's a it's a tool for reflection for me mm. um because when you teach you have to think about like how well how do i achieve this shift you know and um it kind of re reminds me to like go back to basics when I'm teaching someone the basics. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, yeah. It's I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. That's perfect. It just I know that a lot of teachers, and I feel like this is true for you as well. There is an inherent joy that comes from seeing. Um, their students become successful and and not successful in the societal term, but successful in the way of this is the thing I'm showing you how to do. This is what I'm teaching you. This is the knowledge, uh, my passion that I'm imparting on you. And I, it just is like a joy. I, I remember when I was um, kind of assistant teaching in a theater class and these kids were not as receptive, but there were moments where they were like, okay, I'm getting it and I'm enjoying this. And it was like kind of that same feeling, like, good, cool. You get it. You understand. I'm happy. I think my favorite part about like that moment where, you know, you see kids light up from it is, is knowing that like whatever they just received from you, they can take and they can do whatever they want with it and, and use it and like whatever way that they they want in their life like now 50 years from now like it's it's their gift like mm -hmm. it's like we're giving them a gift i feel like yeah. yeah that's beautiful i love that i love teachers i think i think we more need more educators like you and oh thank um, you uh you're welcome and thank you for what you're doing for the kids truly and i'm <laughs> I wanted to be a teacher when I was in kindergarten. Yeah. And then that dream very quickly left my life. Um, Why? But I have such a deep appreciation for educators. Yeah. yeah. Why did it, Why did it leave your life? Was it like, did you see how like fucked up it can be? 
Yeah, I mean, there was that, but there was also just, I knew that my way of educating people would never be in a classroom. Okay, yeah. Unless it was like me visiting to, you know, like give a speech or, yeah, like a seminar or something like that. I I know that at the end of the day, my way of educating people is healing through art. Mm -hmm. And that feels, that started to feel more right for me. I started to in, enjoy and understand and learn more about myself through art. Yeah. And in turn, helping other people learn more about themselves through art. Yeah. So not that you can't be an art teacher, because one of my closest teachers and one that I still talk to and see often is my high school art teacher. Love her to death. Um, That's so cool. She is one of my favorite people, truly and honestly. She comes into my job all the time. Shout out to you, Miss T. Um, I'm pretty sure she she watches some of the episodes. Um, but yeah, like teachers have had such a huge. My high school drama teacher. She wasn't even my drama teacher. That's what's funny. She was my English teacher, but she directed all the plays. Um, another teacher that I just absolutely fond memories of and. It encouraged me so much, especially when it came to acting. So I just am appreciative to you and to all the educators out there. Yes. It's a very it's a very special job. Um, so where am I at? Hold on. My my list of questions is here. Okay. Um, here on Mental Health Chat Monday, we have a little motto. I said it at the beginning. Uh, we are turning mental illness into mental wellness. What does mental wellness look like to you? Balance. I thought about this question. I think mental wellness looks like balance. Um, you know, uh, the things that you do every day, like you've, you've got to do a little bit of, of, of everything. Whatever your interests are, do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, work work hard a little bit, rest a little bit, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think even for me as a musician, like, um, I'm not only performing, I'm not only teaching, um, but I'm doing both. And then I also like, I'm working events and like, it's a, it's a nice change up, but it still keeps me like in the world of like entertainment and music. And um, I'm like able to like experience like the many different sides of music through like teaching and performing and posting videos online and like working events and all of these different things. And it keeps things fresh. Um, I love variety. I like, I like, I love me some variety. So mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I think balance is, is a huge part of mental wellness. Yes. I fully wholeheartedly agree with that. You can't have too much of one thing. Never no. too much. Never yeah. too much. Yeah, you don't want to overdo it. And you can't overdo it sometimes. So that's true. I told this story a little bit in I think a previous episode um where I'd done 13 shows in 13 months and I thought I was killing the game, but I actually was covering up my own mental illness and like hurting myself more than I was healing myself. And I had tricked myself into thinking that if I was working hard and always producing, that I was doing good and I, in turn I was not doing good so I had to take a slower pace that's honestly kind of a theme of this episode is taking a slower pace and like, looking a slower pace yeah 
Yeah, that's probably going to be the title of this episode. Take it slow. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just to, you know, bring it back to taking a slower pace, like, I think especially with like my health issues and just like having asthma and like that acting up real bad this winter. And even like last, like last April and May, I was like sick all of April and May. And like I had a kidney stone. And so like now it's like happening again, just like. I've, like once a month, every month, I'm like sick with something since December. And so um, I, I, you know, I've had to accept that like my health and like just like the, the things that I was born with, like I just, I cannot like go at the same pace as some people, mm -hmm. as people, you know, I can't go at the, at the same pace as people who don't have asthma and, and are, you know, maybe not as sensitive as I am like, I'm literally allergic to so many things and it's gotten worse over the years. Like I'm allergic to the sun and it's just like, okay, all right. You know what? If this is what it is. All right. I will, right. I'll, I'll make sure to have fun keeping these things in mind, you know, like, yeah. Being adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that means I got to like take things slow, then that's cool. And guess what? I still get my shit done. I'm still, you know, like, on my shit, you know, like yes, always, still killing the game. Just because you're taking it slow doesn't mean you're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Doesn't mean you are falling behind or um, not working hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. honestly, you're probably working a little bit harder just because you're like, I need my time, so I'm gonna do all my stuff now and have my time. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very that. Um, okay, last question. Leave us with a little piece of advice for allies of the mental health community or um, allies of the music community or something for musicians to take with them as um, a way to keep their mental health in check. Okay, the first thing that comes to mind is stretch. <laughs> stretching stretching does so much good you know like as a musician and even as not a musician like stretching like not only does it keep your body in good shape but like it also like gives you time to reflect mm -hmm. and yeah I and there's just so many benefits to stretching so yeah that's my advice is to, is to stretch that was directed at me. Um, I did not think you to be attacked today. <laughs> no, like genuinely, just like a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my partner. We were like sitting together watching TV. And I was like, I think I want to, I was like, I'm going to start waking up early and doing like 30 minutes of stretching every morning just to get my body and my mind right. Girl, I ain't started that shit yet. <laughs> so that was for me. Thank you for confirming for me that I need to wake up early and stretch for 30 okay. minutes. You don't have to commit to like 30 minutes in the morning. You could just like stretch. Okay, just like do one stretch per day. You could just like start with that. Like, what's yeah. your favorite stretch? Favorite stretch? Um, <laughs> do you like do you like lower body stretches, upper body stretches? What where do you um, feel like you release? I I feel like 
in my like shoulder back region, like back and lower back is like what needs to be stretched the most. When I go to my chiropractor, my chiropractor is always like, you're very tense and you need to stretch more. Okay, I love doing bear hugs. Giving yourself a big hug, yeah. And then you switch arms. And I do this with my students all the time. Every, you know, almost every time we start violin class, I'm like, okay, we gotta stretch first. And, you know, just to get them in the habit of like, of, of stretching so that they don't wear their body out too soon. Because mm -hmm. I want them to be, to have the option to play their whole life. And they can't do that if they wreck their body. This is yeah. true. And like a part of the reason why I w said I wanted to start stretching for 30 minutes in the morning is to, you know, as a singer, dancer, you know, entertainer, the house down, boots, whatever. Yeah. Um, I feel myself more now than when I was in my mid 20s and I first started performing, being out of breath a little bit more, you know, having a harder time because I sing live, honey. We don't we don't lip sing over here. All so, right. Like, having a harder time keeping the pace. Not necessarily super hard or like where I'm like, <laughs> like every other word is kind of right, right, right. Can't breathe, but I want to prevent that from happening. It, it, it gives, it improves, the stretching mm -hmm. improves. I start, I want to start with stretching and then start working out and then actually being, because like you said, longevity, I want a long career. No matter where my career goes, even though my career is going to go up from here. I right. want to be able to perform the house down every single time. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. Thank you for attacking me today. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. I, I hope that you start stretching today. <laughs> I will. I will start stretching today. Um, we'll see. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Is there anything you need to plug? Any shows coming up? Any music? Anything you you want to drop? Okay, follow me. If you if you want to like see what I'm about, keep in touch. See what like my daily life is like here and there. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok. My username is at Tavia Plays the Music, and Tavia is spelled T A V I A plays the music and that's all spelled normally yes got you. got you got you got you i will leave all of that linked down below in the little description box uh definitely definitely give octavia a follow and a subscribe and a listen because i live i live I'm for it. you do i yeah. just love your energy and i know you personally so i know your energy but like if I was just a random scrolling through the internet and stumbled upon your content, I would be like, plus, double tap every time. Oh, thank every you. Every time. <laughs> you know, I love I love posting in my, I think my story is like my favorite place to post because it's always like, mm -hmm. I just, I, I like giving the audience like variety. Yeah. Yeah. And you provide for variety. Absolutely, 100% you do. <laughs> Who is this now? Okay. Uh, thank you all. Sorry, my phone is going crazy. Um, thank you all so much for watching this episode. Episode one of season two. I almost said episode one of season 12. Listen.
Hey, <laughs> yes. Manifesting, manifesting. manifesting. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all so much for watching. If you want to find me, I am at DDerBionic on all social media. You already know that it's called branding. Look it up. It's all linked down below. Uh, special shout out to, to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. And uh, make sure y'all like, subscribe, comment, hit the notification bell, all that stuff. You know all that. You know what to do. Uh, Tavia, thank you so much for being here today. It has been a pleasure, a joy, and an honor to have you here on my podcast as the first episode of my second season. I can't believe it. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and I will chat with you later, but we don't have to actually hang up, but like, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I will see you all in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>